Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. your engines it's time to talk about all things racing nascar indycar sports cars and formula one this is the final inspection show presented by the legendary great lakes dragaway in union grove now here's your host steve zaki And welcome to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway, along with David Hobbs Honda. It's a beautiful, sunny Saturday afternoon in Hills Corners. Gorgeous outside. Absolutely gorgeous. About time, too. Uh, We're due. Make sure you get out to Great Lakes Dragway this weekend. Lots of stuff going on, as always. And this this would be probably the best weekend yet to get out there. Not only that, or if you're looking to get a new or used car, make sure to check out davidhobbs.com or stop by 6100 North Green Bay Road and uh, check out their wide variety of new and used vehicles at David Hobbs Honda. Yeah, it is really, really nice out. It's one of these epic spring days where it's you can feel the temperature rise slowly. Not a cloud in the sky, and that sun feels so good. Yeah, it does. I uh, ended up... I was a little late this year. I just called my lawn service people, told them to put me on the schedule for next week. Do so. the spray? No, no. They, you know, no. I I don't care about dandelions. They just cut them. Oh. So, but uh, I haven't cut my grass in ten years. I did the um, front um, last week and promptly got uh, stuck in the ditch. Yeah, I made it made it through the first two times, but. Because I live on a semi-busy road where the speed limit's 45 in a semi-rural area. You're kind of paranoid, and so I made the turn, and I cut it a little bit more because I, you know, was looking kind of over my shoulder, and you're looking to see if there's a car coming. And it was just enough where it kind of it bogged for a second, and then it dug in, and it's like, oh, you're screwed. Oh, yeah. And then plus with the soft ground and then the deck, that dig digs in a little bit, and you're like, I'm trying to rock it back and forth, and I, I see my next door neighbor Jay across. He's kind of like look up, and then he'd work, and then he'd look up, and then I had to make the walk of shame. I hear you. You know, it's happened to me before, yeah. so uh, I can't. I can definitely not make fun of you. I've Luckily, done a lot more stupid a, things than that. It was just a one, two, three, whoop, 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 and then it was out. So yeah, well, you got lucky. Yeah, I did. I bet your lawn looks better than mine right now, but uh... Uh, it's yeah. I you know I haven't fertilized it in years because you know when you fertilize it grows faster, right? And it grows just as fast by itself. Yeah, man, my my lawn is like lawn on steroids. I got a neighbor across the street. Um, he cuts his grass two to three times a week, which I oh think that's what mine does. Jay does it absolutely yeah. insane. I don't take part in lawn wars. Um, my guy comes every Wednesday. And uh, once a week, and I don't care. See, for me, I actually like doing it because it's so large. It's it's two-plus acres, so you're kind of, you know, you get the headphones on, you get on the rider, and you just it's, it's very therapeutic for me. I yeah, like I bet. It. And what's cool is 
when the when the barn swallows come following you because is your your kick you're kicking up all the bugs and everything and they're just you know you feel like a b-17 flying over you know flying over berlin with messerschmitts coming after you these birds coming after you (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm not a big fan of nature so uh oh come on i've got uh on both my front and my uh sliding door out of my kitchen on uh, both patio lights i have bird nests yeah we had uh our annual tradition of our house wren coming in made his appearance yesterday he's singing and i noticed that a bigger bird i think maybe a woodpecker had had made, turned his our wren house into a woodpecker house meaning he just bored out the whole lot bigger oh yeah and so we replaced it with a new wren house so i wouldn't surprise me if if by later today he's you know shoving in twigs and that and moving in hey Oh, good for Very you. Very loud bird. Very pretty. We learned our lesson. Uh, we had a wren house by the patio door, uh, back door by our uh, bedroom, which is wrens are very pretty. Not at five fifteen in the morning though. Yeah. Outside your, outside your patio door, your bedroom. The guy that does the lawn wars across the street leaves for work at six a.m. every day, and insists on starting his harley and oh and no revving it up and all that so it's like my 6 a.m alarm clock listening to this guy uh mm-hmm. get his motorcycle ready to go to work he wakes you up every morning huh? it's just brutal brutal speaking of waking you up johnny Sauter woke him up yesterday yeah he sure did that was great to see man Sauter didn't have the fastest car last night but I love it when a veteran, and you can see his car get better all race long. Yeah, it worked on it, worked on it. Yeah. Yep, just, you know, chipping away, chipping away, making, you know, small gains every single pit stop. And there he is at the end. He survives the, the late race restart and uh, finds himself in victory lane. That was, that was fantastic. And I, I thought the time was unusual. Yeah, because it's kind of like a twilight uh, matinee type, and it it really hurt them in the. I mean, that's strictly, I guess, a TV race, but and you kind of scratch your head. Wouldn't we? Wouldn't Wouldn't it be better just doing the two races today? You would you know, think, and they're, and they're doing the 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 Xfinity race, you know, in about an hour, and you know, I'm thinking, well. I think I'd rather race at five o'clock on a Saturday than five o'clock on a Friday. Yeah, it was an early start time. It caught me off guard. Well, and the other thing is, I looked too. What was after the race, or well, you know, and it, it's not like it got. It looks like it, they had college baseball in that. So I mean, it, it's. I don't know. It's college baseball. I guess is big, but I don't. You know, you didn't think it would be bigger than NASCAR, is it? Uh, you would hope not if college baseball's taking place uh taking the spot of uh the truck series then you've got a lot to worry about uh some problems though uh in the race for Jesse little who I think does the most with the least yeah uh that 97 truck has been fast uh, last two years and all is running up if not in the top five definitely that five to ten and just making himself you know, seen and on a very, very limited basis, they had some issues yesterday as well as uh, Sheldon Creed, who pretty much was the truck to beat. 
and yeah. then a late restart. And it's kind of concerning, though, when, when you hear, you know, yeah, I got on the inside, a car got in, a truck got on the outside and pulled me around. And you were seeing that guys are getting loose off of the turn four and turn two. And it, it's it's got to be frustrating for somebody like him, young driver trying to make his mark in the sport. And when he, when you know you have the truck to beat and, and this happens, you know, it's got to be frustrating. I thought he handled, handled it well, though, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He, um, you know, he definitely had the truck to beat. I think that would have been one heck of a battle with him and Sauter. Sure, uh, and, and Brett Moffitt. Yeah, right at the end there. So we kind of got cheated a little bit on what should have been an even better finish. It was still a great finish to the race. Don't get me wrong. It was exciting and all that. They put on a good show last night. But, uh, but yeah, if Creed was around, he definitely had the truck to beat. He led a bunch of laps early and all that. And uh, that would have been that would have been a hell of a battle to watch. Does but, it does it warm your heart when you see the 24 of Brett Moffitt beat the 16 of Austin Hill now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, uh, Brett Moffitt, it's really hard not to root for him. You know, uh so yeah, I was I was glad and you know, I was I'm a solder guy too. So, you know, I was torn on who to root for for the win last night uh or yesterday afternoon, whatever you want to call it, but uh but yeah, that uh that was a heck of a race, man. And um you know, Xfinity and the Cup Series, are uh, it's going to be tough for them to top that one. And, of course, last week we had Chase Elliott win in Talladega, and you had the opportunity to speak with them, and we'll be hearing that later in the show today. Yep, yep. Sat down with Chase for a few minutes last week and uh, didn't get a chance to air it last uh, weekend, so we'll uh, we'll hear that uh, today. So yeah. We'll you- also add in some of his remarks from yesterday and that from uh, – talking about the Talladega win in Dover coming up tomorrow, which should be a pretty exciting race. Physically the toughest uh, track to drive on the Cup Series, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of breaks. And, uh, you know, the the straightaways are so short. And, and bank, too. I mean, you have so much. Uh, it, it's a lot of, um, you know, negative Gs and all this stuff that goes with it. But. Yeah, they're saying that it's the one track where you feel the speed the most, even more than Talladega or Daytona. Yeah, you know, these guys are definitely going to get a workout uh, tomorrow. Anybody who, uh, you know, who does not consider NASCAR drivers athletes, I wish that uh, you would sit there and go through what these guys are going to go through for three-plus hours tomorrow. Uh, You'll change your tune real quick. And just when you thought it was going to be all Toyota and, and Fords, with uh, Penske doing so well and and, and uh, the the Toyotas the Joe Gibbs Racing and Kyle Busch and everything, look out, folks! Here comes Chase Elliott. Yeah, Chase Elliott, William Byron on the front row as well uh, for tomorrow. So, you know, somebody finally woke up the Chevys, and uh, you know, it's obviously good to have more guys competing for the title. And uh, obviously, Chevy, you know, they've been very quiet for a long time. Uh, Chase had three wins last season, got his first one last week at Dega. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's nice to see Chevy back out on top and well, racing for wins again. And here's the thing I find really interesting is that the next two races, which is Dover and Kansas, those are – he won those two races in the second half of the year last year. So, sure I did. mean, this is, a, this is an opportunity for Chase Elliott to, so, so to speak, make some serious hay. Well, if he can sit there and, and, and win tomorrow, you know, you go from winning at Dega, winning the pole at Dover. If he wins at Dover tomorrow, 
look out. And, uh, you know, he'll definitely be somebody to watch uh, the entire rest of the season. And it, it bookends well with him, though, because, uh, you know, he's in the chase, pardon the pun, and and he's, you know, you'll be looking second half of the year running, once again, tracks like Talladega, Kansas, and Dover. I mean, that could bode very well for him. And if he can figure out the other things, you know, you could see a Hendrick, possibly winning another championship just when you thought, boy, what's wrong with with Hendrick uh, Motorsports? It's amazing how a couple weeks can completely change the narrative of the season. And uh, Chase is going through that now. Uh, the fact that he got the win out of the way so early, qualified for the playoffs already, gives him a chance to sit there. And on some of these races, you know, they can search for things that uh, that'll help them when they go back to these tracks in the fall during the playoffs and uh you know it's only going to help the team it's only going to help their uh their position when we get down to the nitty-gritty later in the year we had a full show today should be a lot of fun we got dennis michelson coming up next um we'll be talking more nascar this hour and then uh towards the end of the hour we'll be talking with eddie lapine from uh, racingnation.com as imza is in mid ohio uh, this weekend, we'll also talk some WEC news. I find uh, it's pretty interesting, some stuff coming down the pike on that. And then uh, the beginning of hour number two, we'll be talking with David Hobbs, talking some Formula One with him, and also some Indianapolis, uh, Indianapolis 500 coming up, of course, and the Grand Prix of Indianapolis uh, occurring next week, which I'll be down and reporting live from. And uh, then we'll also, like I said, we, we spoke with, uh, or Jeff spoke with uh, Chase Elliott. So should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to that. And uh, just put on your seatbelts and let's come along for the ride, right? Good stuff all show long. So I have a feeling this is going to be a very quick two hours. It will be. It will be. And because, uh, yeah, I mean, everything is, this is now. You know, you kind of start with Daytona, 24 hours at Daytona. You get NASCAR Daytona. Things start chug-a-lugging, and you got some openers. But now you got the, the local racing season really starting to open up this weekend with a lot of tracks, op- you know, starting their, their weekly shows this week. So it's really starting to chug-a-lug now on all cylinders where you got NASCAR, IndyCar, you got IMSA. Everybody's pretty much running weekly, if not every other week, and then the local tracks, too with a uh, slinger uh, happening and, and, and all the other tracks in the area, badger midgets and that. So uh, we're, we're, we're going from uh, fifth gear to sixth gear, aren't we, Jeff? Yeah, it is a great time to be a racing fan. Uh, you know, like you said, all the, all the local tracks are getting underway and, you know, definitely support them. Great lakes drag away, uh, you know, Beaver dam, uh, the hill up in Sturgeon Bay, you know, Wilmont, wherever you go, it is important that you show up to keep uh, racing alive, keep these tracks open. We all complain that, you know, all oh, racing is, you know, losing so many fans and all this kind of stuff. And then you ask somebody, how many races did you go to last year? How many times did you bring the family out? Oh, well, you know, we couldn't make it. Well, you know. And those are the ones that seem to complain because the ones that, are, that go to the shows or going to these weekly shows, they're talking about how strong the crowds have been lately. So Yeah, and they're talking about what a great time that they had when they were out there as well. You know, it's definitely affordable for the whole family and all that. So don't be that guy. Get out, see the local racing, bring the old lady, bring your, you know, 
the old lady and the girlfriend, bring the kids, bring whoever you want, <laughs> but go out there and have fun and support these guys so we keep racing, uh, just trucking along here in Wisconsin. We'll be chatting with Dennis Michelson from Dynamite Media coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. Final Inspection. Final Inspection. Now, Dennis Michelson of D-Mike Media is here to give us the inside track on NASCAR and the world of short track racing. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Steve Zotke along with my trusty sidekick, Jeff Merlosky. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. It is Mr. Dennis Michelson from D Mike Media, CEO, President, CFO. El Presidente. Yeah, El Generalissimo. <laughs> Dennis, welcome to the show, I, sir. I wear a lot of hats, which is actually really good for a bald guy. Yeah. I can I can picture you in one of the, the big like a Napoleon hat, one of those big real <laughs> you know, that, that looks like they're on sideways. That's the CEO hat, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And yeah, then with a with a walking cool. stick, not a cane, but a walking stick though, you know, hit small kids stick. with. I like that. <laughs> well, tomorrow you got to bust out the sombrero for Cinco de Mayo and walk around with a chalice full of uh, margaritas. I like it. But are you drinking are you drinking mint juleps today? Oh, are you kidding me? Uh, I grew up in a horse racing family. Really? Um, See, now this is something I did not know. This is interesting. Yes, my dad, that was his hobby, and it was always his dream to own a horse. And so he actually, when I was a teenager, bought a harness horse along with some of um, my dad's friends from the track. And it was so funny. I remember when he he presented this, uh, this proposition to my mom, and she said, sure, you can do that, but you have to win the money at the track. And he did. And so it took him about uh, three weeks is all it took him to uh, to win the two thousand dollars to go in as partners. And uh, we won about seven or eight races uh, in about a year and a half. So it was uh, quite a quite a lot of fun and uh, grew up around the horse racing. So a lot of a lot of fun. So I've always been kind of hooked on the derby and actually one of my very first professional jobs in media was handicapping for the Gordon's tip sheet uh, every summer when their uh, main guy took off. So that huh. was kind of fun. Uh, I, I actually did a, did a scientific study on, uh, on factors that go into horse racing, and uh, they were using it at the Gordon's tip sheet back in the 1970s. Interesting. Uh, you know who was a har- harness racer? was the famous race car driver and the last winner on the beach at Daytona, Paul Goldsmith. Oh, yeah. Yep, he was. Yeah. And there's been a few people. people. Yeah, there's been a few people involved in in horse racing over the years, Uh, most notably A.J. Foyt, who who never got – he's got got horses into the preliminary – uh, races uh, before the Derby, but not in the Derby itself, but was very active, and his uh, son uh, is a- a- active in it, A.J. the second. No, A.J. the yeah, third, of, sorry. A lot of sports guys, sports team owners, race car drivers, race owners uh, do dabble 
in the horse racing business. It's uh, it, it's a it's a nice little uh, pastime if you got a lot of you know it's just like racing. That's why they love it. Mm-hmm. You know, the secret to making a a small fortune in horse racing is first you start out with a large fortune and then you go racing. Um, so it's it's very similar in that way to uh, to auto racing that you you can lose a lot of money. Uh, while having a lot of fun. Well, I have no fortune, Dennis, but uh, if I sc- uh, scrape together a few uh, couch dollars, what horse should I put it on? Well, I usually do not pick favorites, but I am changing that up because I think the post-time favorite, although he should go off at least three to four to one, uh, will be maximum security, and I like his chances. Track is a little on the soft side. Uh, due to a lot of rain down there and probably more on the way before race time. So uh, I would go with Maximum Security, who won uh, a while back uh, on a sloppy track. He's one of the few horses to show a line on a sloppy track, track, and he won the Florida Derby, won the Stout Field. But uh, Omaha Beach, the horse that got scratched out, was uh, was going to probably take this one handily. And now it is a pretty wide-open race, but I like Maximum Security. All right, yeah, I made my pick earlier of Code of Honor, so uh, we shall see. Right now, he's sitting at twelve to one, so not uh, not a favorite, but still a decent chance to make some healthy coin if he comes through. My my inside yeah, info on uh, Maximus Security is kind of a bit like Rashawn Gary. He could be a boom or bust prospect. He's either going to win it or he could finish last. He's thrown in some real dog races here, um, you know, for bad workouts, the whole deal. He, he is a little temperamental. As far as a long shot, I like War of Will to be an upset try. So uh, he's uh, currently uh, expected to go off about 17 to 20 to 1. So uh, a couple of good picks. There's there's really no bad pick at the Derby because these horses have never gone a mile and a quarter in their lives, and they have never faced a field of, you know, more than 12 horses so traffic good jockey uh, positioning early on and a lot of factors go in that's why you can get the upsets like mine that bird years ago at 50 to 1 so should be a lot of fun uh, derby looks pretty good uh, omaha beach will be back though and should cream everybody in the belmont well should we do our let's do our derby picks now then uh since i got mine and you got dennis you did well we'll give jeff a second here to get his unless well, he's ready Dennis took maximum security. I took code of honor. Okay, uh, I, I'm I'm going to go with the chalk. I'm going to go with improbable. But let's do a long shot too. Then, so your long shot was who again? War of Will. Okay, I'm going to go with Boat Express as my long shot. You see, I'm sorry. Um, War Williams. War of Wills. War of Will. War of Wills. All right, as I'm trying to. Uh, Actually, War of Will, singular. To write these down here. Um, all right, my long shot. I am going to go with. Oh, do I choose the, the guy who's sitting ninety-nine to one right now? No, uh, I will go with win-win-win uh, as my long shot. Win-win. I don't even see win-win-win. We got him right now listed at fifteen to one. Oh. Okay. So, all right. Sounds good. Dennis, what do you think about uh, NASCAR going back to single uh, car qualifying? It's kind of funny because they they did sort of uh, follow along with 
kind of what we said here a few weeks ago that, you know, qualifying isn't supposed to be a show. It's supposed to decide who's got the fastest car. And the only proper way to do that uh, on an oval track with this package is to send them out one at a time because drafting has been so huge. Mm -hmm. Now, if they ever go back and do the other thing that I've been beating the drum about and dumb the aero package down, follow a guy, you know, this guy, Dan Gurney, you may have heard of him. <laughs> he he kind of had a pretty good career back in the day. Uh, his whole philosophy, give him more horsepower and less downforce, and that gives you the best racing. We've been going the opposite way from that. Uh, we've been going up on the downforce, down on the horsepower, then to slow the cars down. If you just dirty up the air, guys will have to slow down going into the corner or they will crash. There's no two ways about it. Plus, they just need to get these cars where they can take a little bit of beating and banging again. That's what made NASCAR famous. You know, it wasn't that people were wrecking each other on purpose. It was the fact that you could lean on each other. The old philosophy of eight tires being better than four, you know, especially at a short track where you get under somebody, you muscle them a little bit and get by them. That is impossible to do in today's NASCAR without screwing up your tires. Most surprisingly, was all the talking heads on the NASCAR shows were in favor of the new change. How, can you believe that? Everybody loved the new change in NASCAR on all the talking head shows. And, well, I think they got the memo. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's funny. You know, um, listening to a lot of the so-called experts now, there's only a few of them that I really think speak their mind. The rest do speak to the NASCAR talking points, that this is, you know, a better way of doing things. They said that about group qualifying, though. So now they can't say that about single car <laughs> qualifying because they'll be going back on what they said. But then again, that's just like our politicians. You know, they don't realize that such a thing as digital recording is, is a thing. The uh, Chase Elliott's on a run, and he could yeah, this run could continue. Uh... Of course, the winner last week at Talladega gets to pull at Dover, and he won there, of course, last year. He also won at the next race, or at the next track, I should say, which is Kansas. Yeah, I was just telling Jeff in the previous segment how it's interesting how we were kind of burying uh, Hendrick Motorsport, and now all of a sudden uh, Chase Elliott and, and the Chevy car seems to be the hottest setup right now. It really says a lot for Chase Elliott, doesn't it? Because... We're not seeing, I mean, we're seeing better performances by guys like Alex Bowman and uh, William Byron and Jimmy Johnson. But Chase Elliott is far superior over all three of those guys. And one of those guys actually won seven championships. So when you're doing better in this style of car than a seven-time champion, you are really on a roll. So great to see Chase Elliott doing well. You know, I've never believed that there was a chosen one at Hendrick Motorsports. We always used to hear that. Oh, he's getting the best equipment. Right. The other guys are getting jumped. I don't believe that. I've been to Hendrick Motorsports. I've watched the dyno of engines. Every engine that goes out of that shop has to be within three horsepower or it's not used in a, you know, of each other or it's not used in a race. So if they're that even, as far as producing equipment for their teams, 
you then it's only the driver and the crew chief that are the factors that are different. And he's been far superior to everybody. Now that doesn't mean that he's a better driver than Jimmy Johnson. Please don't take me to mean that. What I'm saying is in this package, which is less engine, more downforce, Chase Elliott has taken to this better. Case in point in NASCAR history, when they, you know, this is an old timer uh, thing talking now. When they first switched from bias fly tires to radial, Dale Earnhardt was mm-hmm. awful. For a year and a half, almost two years, he struggled on the radials until he changed his style of driving. It takes a while. And sometimes when you make these massive changes, because there's a lot more downforce on these cars with that huge spoiler. They went from three inches, three and a half inches, to nine inches on the spoiler, on the rear spoiler. That is a lot of downforce. They also increased the front downforce with the way they did that pan and splitter thing under the car. So in a higher downforce package, Jimmy Johnson is struggling because he was used to a driving style and notes that were based on the old packages that NASCAR has thrown at these guys. This is the most downforce since Jimmy Johnson's been racing in NASCAR, and he's not taking to it. Chase Elliott, on the other hand, has been really good, you know, coming up through the ranks in the Xfinity cars, which are more of a momentum car. And that's similar to what we have now in the Cup Series. Very good points, Dennis. Uh, let's take a quick break now, and we'll come back. We'll talk more NASCAR with Dennis Michelson coming up on the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. Final Inspection. Final Inspection. Now, Dennis Michelson of D-Mike Media is here to give us the inside track on NASCAR and the world of short track racing. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Steve Zotke along with Jeff Orlowski and Dennis Michelson joining us. And uh, last week, Talladega, of course, Chase Elliott, the big winner there. But a fantastic crowd at the Talladega Speedway. And that's that's been one of the mainstays. If you want to talk about, well, I got a friend from Alabama. He goes, uh, he goes uh, you know, NASCAR is the number one sport in Alabama. I go, I thought. I thought college football was. He goes, no, that's our religion. <laughs> so, and and I, you know, that is, you know, Talladega remains to be their NASCAR's strong point, isn't it, when it comes to crowds and everything else? Yeah, it, it, and here's the thing: if you look at the television ratings, we always talk about, oh, the television ratings are down. They're, they're down here. They're down there. But we never really talk about the breakdowns by sort of region of the country. If you look at traditional NASCAR land, meaning the southeast, meaning Alabama, you know, meaning Florida, meaning Georgia, meaning the Carolinas, you look at their ratings, and Alabama's ratings are just as good as they were when NASCAR sort of peaked out in popularity around 2004, 2005, before they started seeing the, the television ratings drop. The television ratings have not dropped in the state of Alabama. It is still a big deal there, and so is the race weekend at Talladega. If you've never been to Talladega, though, people show up for more than just 
the yeah. race itself, the experience in the infield. The only thing that I've ever been to that even comes close to the insanity uh, there is Brainerd Speedway on an NHRA weekend with the drag racers. That place is nuts as well. But Talladega is a special kind of crazy. I'm just amazed that the stands were full because that means that people, enough people survived party Saturday night. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it was great. I, you know, after what we've seen recently and that, that oh, that sickening look of all those seats empty at Bristol, I was cheering to see all of those people at Talladega. It tells me that what I said is, is kind of right. You know, it, NASCAR is having some tough times now. There's no question about it. They've got a lot of things on their plate to solve when it comes to the racing product, to money for drivers and everything else with the sponsorship changing uh, so rapidly and, and com- companies not finding the return on investment in the sport like they used to a few years ago. But when it comes to attendance, when it comes to television ratings, NASCAR is still the king. You know, we talk about IndyCar growing on television ratings, and they're seeing big surges, but their ratings are still minuscule compared to the worst NASCAR race. So uh, great to see Talladega still being Talladega. Yeah, what I liked, uh, what I saw last week, Dennis, Atlanta, you know, unfortunately they're taking out seats, but they're not just going to raz one of the grandstands. You know, they're like eliminating every other row to give uh, the fans more leg room. They're going to put like a uh, beverage shelf and stuff like that in. So you got a place to hold your beer, all that. I think that that helps improve the fan experience and helps entice people to go out to the track more where you're not worried about sitting on a hard bench for three and a half hours with your knees embedded in somebody's back. That seems to be like a much better idea than just ripping down a whole grandstand. Yeah, I, I saw that this week, and I was cheering because I love the management down there in Atlanta. They've been faced with a lot of difficulties with getting lousy dates for their races. But in you know defense to the uh, the folks, the corporate owners of the track and the NASCAR, they weren't drawing on the good dates. So give the good dates to somebody who is drawing. But I was glad to see that because this echoes exactly what Scott Paddock has done at Chicagoland Speedway. Instead of taking the philosophy of let's pack as many people in here as sardines, how about we just charge a couple bucks more versus what you might want to do to get the stands packed and give people value for their money? And I've seen that with things like – you know, the Champions Park that they added at Chicagoland Speedway and all kinds of things, all kinds of special things for the fans. But when you go down to Chicagoland Speedway now, it's more than just a race. and That's a beautiful facility. Um, and I, I think Atlanta is so wise to take that same idea. And, you know, we talked about the raising of the grandstands at Daytona, but when they changed all of that uh, configuration of the stands there, they did a lot of that same thing. They gave more butt space to the fans on the front stretch, and it's paying off. They, they build all those seats uh, for the Daytona 500. Getting back to Dover, I, I thought this was interesting. I wonder if this could be an issue tomorrow. Uh, if you look at the, the lineup, of course, you have Chase Elliott qualified at 21 point, the time of 21.6. 
Uh, qualifying speed of 165.9, almost 166 miles an hour. The last person to take a speed or the lowest was uh, the great Quinn Hoff, uh, who was 23.4, which is just over two seconds, 153.4, about 12 miles an hour off. And is are, is lap traffic going to be an issue uh, tomorrow, Dennis? It usually is at Delver. These lap speeds are so fast. And here's where the corner speeds are, where they're picking up. They showed a great graphic with that uh, with that, that cool thing with the shadow car that they do. Um, and they showed that the, the practice speeds this year versus last practice last year were about a half a second faster. But all of the gain was in the corners. You could see it graphically by the cars pulling away from each other in the corners. And that's going to be the case. Well, when you're in the corners, that's where you're trying to pass. And at Dilber, the corners are wide. The straightaway narrows down. So as you try to pass, if you get caught in the wrong spot at the wrong time, as that track narrows, you're going to see some mayhem. So, yeah, I think uh, Dover will, will kind of cure itself of not having a rump because the uh, slower lap traffic will probably reel the uh, the leader back into the second and third place car. But again, uh, very troublesome to see air, uh, clean air, such a factor in that truck race last night, except the fact that we had, of course, the greatest driver in the truck series and a Wisconsin guy. God bless America. Johnny Sauter <laughs> getting the win. Yeah. Last we... night at at Dover. Yeah, we mentioned that in the first segment, how great it was to see a veteran, you know, just chipping away, making his car better every single pit stop. And, you know, he definitely didn't start out the race with the fastest truck. You know, uh, Creed and Moffitt and, and those kind of guys had better trucks than him. But, you know, that's part of the benefit of having a veteran driver behind your truck is that, you know, you work on it, you know, every single stop, and then you're there at the end, and that was a heck of a finish. Uh, what, uh, you know, I, obviously you got Chase Elliott on the pole, you got Byron sharing the front row, Jimmy Johnson was super strong during happy hour today. Looks like Hendrick is going to be strong tomorrow. Uh, who's your pick for the race tomorrow? Oh, don't laugh at me because I'm going to give you a horse racing analogy on this pick because remember that system that I talked to you about that was a kind of a computerized, you know, logical system of forecasting horse racing? It did a really good job of catching the improving young horses as they were going up in class against the better older horses. And, it, uh, you know, every once in a while, the same theory that I have for a writing system I use in NASCAR and years ago, this forecasted a win by Jeff Burton at Texas Motor Speedway, first win of his career. And I was shocked when I did the ratings this week that there was a driver that finally hit those magical numbers to forecast a first win for him. Now, he didn't qualify as good as I'd like to see him, but I am going out on the limb, very thin limb. I'm a big chubby guy going out on that that thin limb and i am forecasting daniel suarez to get his first win of the year uh, and his career in tough at dover motor speedway he is a dover's been good to this kid and i i think he's going to pull off the upset even though he's coming from 14th to do it wow well i'm going to pick chalk i'm going with chase elliott chase elliott's the logical choice don't get me wrong he was on the top of the ratings 
but sometimes it's more than the numbers. It's who's rising the fastest, and Daniel Suarez is coming to a good track at a time that he's picking up his consistency at tracks he doesn't do particularly well at. That's what tipped it. Chase Elliott's the logical pick, um, but I like to go with the upset. Well, I am going to uh, – Dennis has kind of convinced me here, and uh, I am going to go with another first-time winner at the Monster Mile tomorrow. Uh-oh. Uh, give me Mr. Alex Bowman. I was looking at him. Ooh. Yeah. Bowman the Showman. This yeah, Bowman the Showman to do the hat dance in Victory Lane. I like that pick. I like all the picks. Actually, I like your Suarez pick too. If I you know, if I was a betting man, I would certainly do you know do the. I in fact all th- I th- all three. You put a uh, uh, you know put twenty on Chase Elliott and maybe ten on Suarez and ten on uh, Bowman. Yeah, yeah. One of those have Suarez to hit. Sitting there, Suarez sitting there at fifty to one. It's a good bet this week. It is very good. I yeah, like that. I, I'll take those odds any day of the week. Sure, Dennis. What's new at D Mike Media? Oh, my goodness, we're having so much fun. Uh, it's a very busy day for my clients today. The Midwest Classic Racers are a dwarf car series. They have their opener. Uh, we're going to be bringing coverage uh, from them all year long and uh, kind of giving a recap with the driver of the week. Uh, Matt Kemp is the driver of the week this week. You can hear that uh, over at dmikemedia.com. They're racing at mid, uh, Mid-Michigan, uh, Springport Mid-Michigan Speedway. Hard to say but a great track, and they'll put on a heck of a show tonight. It's the opening night there um, for that track up in Michigan. Also got my uh, guys from the Indy Show with a home game this week. You'll hear more about that next week. And, of course, right after this, I'm heading up north to Elmhurst, Illinois, for the uh, home opener for the Chicago Wildfire. You'll hear Wildfire Fever. And, of course, all of our other racing content next week on Mike Media. It's interesting. It's getting warm out, Dennis, because the AC just clicked on into the uh, studio here. First time of the year for me. Feels good. It's, it does. It's great to see, and I'm glad we don't have the weather we had last week at this time. Uh, no. For the first uh, first Frisbee game, Frisbee football game of the year, because we don't need snow. Although, if you want to see some funny video, uh, I'll, I'll have to post a, uh, a video on my social media from a uh, Frisbee game that was played in the blizzard last week up in toronto it was quite hilarious very good well coming up uh, dennis once again thank you uh, we certainly appreciate it and make sure to check all this good stuff at dmike media and uh coming up in the next hour we'll be talking with david hobbs talking formula one in indianapolis but before that we're going to be talking sports cars with eddie lapine coming up next on the final inspection show Back to the final inspection show brought to you by David Hobbs Honda and Great Lakes Dragway. Make sure to get out the Great Lakes Dragway this weekend. Beautiful weather, beautiful cars, great food, everything you'd want at Great Lakes Dragway. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is from RacingNation.com. Eddie Lapine, welcome to the show, Eddie. Hey, Steve. Hey, Jeff. How are you guys doing today? We are doing fantastic. The weather is great up here, and uh, 
just uh, enjoying it and having fun talking auto racing. In fact, uh, we got the Acura Sports Car Challenge at Mid Ohio tomorrow, and it's uh, the first race of what IMSA calls its uh, what its regular regular season, I guess you can call it, where these are uh, the, the the twelve hours and twenty four hour races are put aside, and now they're they're going to race the the shorter races at such tracks as uh, Mid Ohio tomorrow, correct? Right, it's a two and a half hour race, and uh, the Mazda got the pole. Mazda's been quick, but are they going to be able to put it all together? It seems like uh, they they got the speed finally, and they they just haven't been able to uh, put the whole package together, have they? No, they haven't. They've had issues with overheating, and uh, uh, this is going to be a shorter race, so they should have we we should see a a better race from them, mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah, you you know with with them, you know with yeah, you know, maybe twenty four hours. You know they looked strong in the first part. Same thing with Sebring and a two hour and forty minute race. Uh, that might be a little bit closer to the wheelhouse, isn't it? Well, don't leave out now, Helio Castro Nevis. Uh, it will be starting second with the Penske, so you can never leave the Penskes out from uh, making a charge with pit strategy and everything. So. It's going to be an exciting race. Mid-Ohio will bring a lot of, you know, exciting little bumping and grinding. Yeah. Um, kind well, of like Long Beach. Especially for uh, Acura, because with Honda being so close, Honda corporate uh, in uh, the U.S., and they, they always have a strong presence at Mid-Ohio. So it's an important race for that Acura team and Team Penske. They would love to get a win at Mid-Ohio, wouldn't they? Oh, definitely. And Acura won last year. And you know, with them getting a little extra after Long, I mean, at Long Beach, I think it's going to be a really good race because the Mazdas are definitely uh, strong, and you know they're run by Team Yost. Right, and they had uh, they had some weather out there. It's it was wet early in the session. I saw Jack Webster's photos uh, from Friday uh, yesterday and that. And uh, is is good weather playing a factor at Mid Ohio this weekend? Well, totally. I mean, yesterday it was kind of a washout, and they ran in the rain. Today, I mean, it's very chilly, and tomorrow it's supposed to be 70 and clear. So I think it's definitely going to be a factor in the race. Uh, speaking of weather, is it true that we might get some snow at Spa? No, we had some snow at Spa. Yeah. I think. Uh, actually, Incredible. they had snow last night there. Uh, the race has been run. Fernando Alonso and Toyota won again. And uh, I think, yeah, what a shocker, huh? Oh, yeah. And there's yeah, been some talk definitely. with uh, regulations and, and whatnot with Toyota, isn't there? There's, there's always something going on with regulations, though, with the World Endurance Championship. Uh, tell us uh, some background on that. What's, what's going on with the politicking and whatnot in, uh, the, in uh, WEC? Well, I mean, there's just these two sides cannot get together, and you're just seeing, you know, I mean, they're struggling for the most power, and they all want to be in charge and run the show. Um, and FIA and WEC want to hold the crown jewel of the 24-hour of Le Mans as their, I mean, as the crown jewel, which mm -hmm. it is. And I think Mazda, Team Yost, Penske, and all Wayne Taylor, all these guys wanted to go to Lamal with the DPI package that they're running at Daytona 24, 
and they've made it kind of impossible to get these sides together. But now Toyota is very upset about uh, not releasing the new regulations uh, for the new car, and which is to get in would be a whole other uh, radio show we could have on uh, the hypercar. And uh, nobody's, none of the manufacturers want to do it. And when you talk to people in the in the loop, uh, nobody's willing to spend $35 million to, to run this hypercar. It's basically like a, a road car on steroids would be okay. the easiest way to... Well, and there's been some discussion because I remember Stefan Johansson did a, a column a few years back saying, you know, maybe is it time for maybe the prototype to go away and we should just be going to like a GT kind of like a like a GT series, all GT cars with with, you know, a couple of classes of GT. And and so I can see where they can they want to go in that direction, but if you're going to go in that direction, you have to make it attainable for the manufacturers and the privateers so, and all the manufacturers to get involved because I don't think a hypercar or this class is going to work unless you can get talk, you know, manufacturers like McLaren or even smaller manufacturers like the, the fledgling uh, Brabham manufacturer out of Australia. And there's some other ones that would truly make it an interesting series, Eddie. Don't you agree? Yeah, but to get that commitment of the, the dollars, you know, I mean, you have to go back to get the money to mm -hmm. do these, and, and they just can't do it. I mean, it. Well, not at $35 million. Of, Yeah, correct. No, and that's what WEC wanted to put the budget at, right. which is just, you know, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And hopefully they can get both sides talking at least. And, and maybe get these two teams, these sides together so they could race together. And I think it'd be a lot better racing. You'd have more cars, and it would. Benefit both sides, definitely. So we have uh, NASCAR and Dover this weekend. Do you have a, a pick for Dover? And give us a pick for you. Who's your pick for uh, Mid-Ohio, too, then, please? I'm going to go with Helio Castroneves. Okay, um, and, uh, and in the, the Acura? Yeah. And Mr. Taylor. I think, you know, they're going to be, you know, Penske just knows how to win races. Well, and they, like you said, they won there last year, and it would certainly uh, bode well for their sponsors. So having Acura and Victory Lane at, at Mid-Ohio, it will make a lot of people happy over there. So, and what about uh, Dover, the high banks of Dover concrete? we got Chase Elliott on the pole. And uh, so far we have uh, uh, Dennis is picking Daniel Suarez. Uh, You've got Chase. I've got Alex Bowman. So who, who do you like, Eddie? I'm going to go with Chase. Okay. I, I think after last week, I think, you know, getting a little confidence, I, I got to go with my man Steve here on this pick. All right, very good. And uh, what's next for your travels? Next? God, I got a thing. But go to RacingNation.com and check out uh, my Long Beach story and Michelin Delivers. It's uh, and, a little and, insight on 
don't and don't forget your partner Jeff or Jack Webster's photos, and he'll be posting uh, stuff from Mid Ohio there too. One of the best photographers in the business. Well, I'll tell you, you know, I take a weekend off and I just lose all facets of what's going on. So <laughs> it's kind of nice to get a break. But, you know, I appreciate Jack being there. And I think that, uh, you know, Jack will have some awesome pictures from the race. Yes, he does. Definitely. Eddie, we, we certainly appreciate you coming on the show and enjoy chatting with you again as uh, as the racing season is certainly uh, heating up across the, the nation here. Uh, coming up next, we got a sports flash. We'll take a break, and uh, coming on the other side of the break, we'll talk with David Hobbs, talking some Formula One and IndyCar, coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Zaki. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. I'm Steve Zaki, along with my trusty sidekick, Jeff Wolowski. Hello. And uh, joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline... It is a David Hobbs, where nobody knows a Honda better than Hobbs. Amazing vehicle selection in Glendale. David, how are you 61, doing, sir? 6100 North Green Bay Avenue in Glendale. Where not only you can get a new Honda, but they have a nice variety of used vehicles, too. Wonderful used vehicles, too. I'm good, thanks, Steve. How are you? We're um, doing fantastic. The weather finally broke up here. It's almost safe for you to return. <laughs> oh, fine enough. I was just seeing that because I just watched the uh, the uh, six hour of, of uh, Spa Francorchamps in Belgium, and they had ages and ages behind the safety car because of torrential rain, hail, and they had a final red flag about ten minutes ago because it snowed. So, um, yeah, so. Weather definitely better down here in Florida than it is in Belgium or in Wisconsin, but it is improving. I will be returning. Now, I I know you've you've raced in the rain many times in a variety of vehicles, but yeah. have, did you have any? Uh, did you ever ever have to race in the rain? I know there's a famous photo. Oh, where was it? Brands Hatch or somebody of an F1 car running in winter testing where it was snowing out. But, I mean, was there ever a time when you had to race in the snow? Or there were snow flurries about? Very close. At Silverstone in 1974, I was racing Carl Hogan's Formula 5000 car. He said to Carl of England for me to take part in the British Championship or some of the events. And we raced at Silverstone, and I have a picture of me and Max and our two little boys. Greg, who was 57 yesterday, was about eight, I suppose, and um, and Guy was about six, and we are huddled there, and the snow is coming down uh, very hard. It didn't snow in the race, but it did snow during practice. So, um, but my very first race at Spa Francorchamps was back in 1960. Well, actually, my first race there was 66, but my second race there it was in a GT40 for Wire in 1968. 
and the old track then was nearly nine miles long, a lot longer than the current one. And, of course, it was all public roads, uh, surrounded by barbed wire fences, telephone poles and houses. Um, I mean, right up to the road. And it rained for the entire six-hour race. And Jackie Ix put on an absolutely virtuoso performance, coming through at the end of the first lap with a 35-second lead. Um, and uh, me and Paul Hawkins came fourth in that race, and it rained the entire time. I think it took us about seven or eight hours, and it was supposed to take like five. Um, so that was my experience at, at Spa, where it does rain a lot. And, of course, when the Formula 1 guys go there in uh, after the break, at the end of August, it very often, you know, very often can be very iffy, the weather there. So, um, yep, I have raced in the rain quite a bit, Steve. And there was a, even a one time, if you want to tell this, uh, this is one of my favorite stories. Uh, I think it was, a, is this at Spa where you, you broke down by a farmhouse and you knocked oh, on the door? Yeah, uh, that was the first time in 1966. Now, that was a hot, <laughs> that was a hot day then. And I was driving with a guy called Jochen Neerpash, who went on to, well, he was a very winning driver in Porsche, and he went on to be the competition manager of Ford and then ultimately BMW when I drove for him. But he drove the first stint, because it's a six-hour race, so he then got a couple of stints each. Um, and the average speed was pretty high. It was around about 145, 150-mile-an-hour average through these wooded streets. And anyway, he comes in and gets out of the car, and then he gets out. He says, oh, by the way, Hobbo, it's just a little bit, it's running a bit warm. <laughs> so when <laughs> I get in and do the belts up, the, the, the temperature gauge is absolutely packed. I mean, it can't go any further. Oh, <laughs> great yucking. So I go bollocking off down the road and um, I only did about four laps I think. Um, and finally the thing you know, had a, tried enough and uh, and of course in those days, as I said, houses were right next to the track so I trickled up the hill from Stavolo towards the start finish area which is about another three or four miles away yet and uh, there was this farmhouse with an open yard and I just trickled into the yard and stopped and got out and shut the door and went and banged on the farmhouse door and took my helmet off. And the guy's, ah, come in and watch, come in and watch the race with me on the television. So <laughs> I went into his house and had a cup of tea and watched the race on the television. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Uh, last week we had uh, the Baku Grand Prix in manhole covers, uh, which is I. You know, we, we've seen this in the past with tracks. We hadn't seen it in a while. Uh, manhole covers became a, a, a an issue. And, I, I mean, we've been running on street courses for quite a few years now, even going back to when you ran at Long Beach and the first one uh, was at 75, 74, and the yeah. first one was an F5000 yeah. race. I mean, is that an issue that shouldn't we pass be past this? I, th I thought they welded all the manhole covers down when we raced on it. Right? Well, I'm supposed to, yeah. I mean, it, it should be an issue that doesn't rear its head because there have been enough street races now over the years to know what to do. Um, and obviously they do have to weld down manhole covers and drain covers and everything. Um, and, of course, the thing is man manhole covers are heavy. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, they're solid iron and they probably weigh, what, 50, 60 pounds. Uh, and you pluck one of those suckers up and it hits the bottom of the car. I mean, George Russell, who ran over it, was very lucky because it ripped the bottom of the car right out. And, of course, you know, as you know, in those Formula 1 cars and Indy cars, I mean, your backside is like, 
you know, an inch and a half off the ground. Well, those manhole covers are a good inch and a half thick. Um, and it did pretty much destroy the car. Um, and he was very lucky not to get hurt. And, of course, the car could, you know, those big, hot, sticky tyres could fling it down the road and then hit somebody else. So, yeah, I mean, they got they got over the issue. It was in practice. Uh, but it did cost Williams valuable time and, and money, which, quite honestly, just at the moment, they don't seem to have. But, yeah, they should have got over that by now. Um, of course, when we raced at Spa, I don't suppose for a minute they thought about welding down the manhole covers. <laughs> and we didn't think about it either, really. So, <laughs> you know. But as you say, Azerbaijan turned into be another interesting race. Um, Ferrari showed such colossal speed in testing in winter in Barcelona, which is the next race. Um, and everybody was, you know, muttering to themselves, oh, my God, when we get to Australia, they're going to walk it. Well, so far, they have not done very well in as much as um, Mercedes have won all four races so far. And... Uh, and come first and second as well. Um, and the one place they thought would be Azerbaijan, the Baku circuit in Azerbaijan, because it has the longest straight. It's over a mile long. Um, and they thought the Ferraris would you know, just go so fast down there they'd be uncatchable. But it didn't happen out that way in the end. So um, it turned into a, a relatively interesting race. Um, I... But the two Mercedes did kind of disappear. Yeah, it's certainly frustrating because you're thinking, okay, this is the race Ferrari's going to step up, and then it's next race. Okay, this is the race where they step up, and then you see that start that Botas and Hamilton had. You're at come, you're like, come on, come on, guys, come on, catch them, catch them, and it's like, oh, one, two, you know, it's like, okay, now what? Can they get them on the pit stop? Vettel, Vettel is so. I mean, he is a demon starter, mm -hmm. um, but uh, Botas just made an absolutely staggering start from the pole. Um, and showed no mercy to Hamilton when they went into turn one. And Hamilton sort of looked pretty racy going to turn two and three, but then he kind of uh, dropped back and then faded a bit. It was like seven seconds behind at one stage. But they had control of the race all the time. And, um, you know, the uh, the Red Bulls with the Honda engine, uh, Gasly was quickest in three practice two um, by dint of a bit of good towing, drafting down the, that big straight. Um, and they showed pretty good form in the race. They weren't that much slower. And Verstappen and the guys at Red Bull are saying, pointing the finger at the car a bit too, not just the engine. They're saying that the car aerodynamic needs to be changed a bit because they are not as quick as they've been through some of the corners, uh, but they're still a bit slow down the straight. But the Honda engine showed good reliability. Um, well, we did have one fail, but um, they did show good reliability. Is uh, Monaco the next race where we think that maybe somebody like Red Bull or somebody can step up and actually uh, compete with uh, Team Mercedes? I think you're right. Now, Barcelona is coming up next week, um, but that has a couple of well, – it has one very long straight. Right. And it, and it has a couple of two pretty good straights. Uh, but the Red Bull has always gone very well there. Verstappen, of course, winning his first Grand Prix there uh, in his first race in a Red Bull, holding off Raikkonen in the Ferrari, which is pretty stout effort. Um, and I think the Honda engine has got more power, has, has seems to have a bit more reliability. So they might not, they'll be pretty quick in uh, Barcelona. But two weeks after that, Memorial Day weekend, 
I really think the Red Bull could come into its own and look very, very, very fast um, because the Red Bulls always go so well at uh, Monte Carlo because, uh, you know, Adrian Newey, the designer, has, <coughs> has got the aerodynamic and chassis dynamic uh, compromised down to probably, you know, has been the best car for the last couple of years, but it's been down on power. Now, if it's got equal power, I mean, the places like Monaco, um, it could be very, it could be quick. It should be quick. Switching gears to uh, IndyCar, uh, IndyCar probably reached its zenith uh, in in the most recent history in the early 90s when Mansell came over from the Williams team and, and ran with Newman Haas and won the championship. And you had Emerson Fittipaldi uh, come out of retirement and run so well in IndyCar and that. And then you had uh, the split, you know, with the IRL and cart whatnot, and IndyCar kind of fell uh, to the wayside a bit in the in the standing of the world world motorsports. I'm speaking about uh, recently, though. IndyCar has been gaining momentum, uh, especially with Fernando Alonso racing uh, two years ago and coming back with McLaren. Now this year, you have Marcus Erickson coming over running. Uh, uh, in IndyCar this year, has IndyCar raised its overall kind of status from a world point of view in motorsports? Do you think? I think it has, and if it hasn't, it should have done. Um, I think people in uh, Europe are being a bit sort of, you know, a bit obstinate about the success of IndyCar because the last couple of years, last three years, you know, you've had like seven, eight, nine different winners in a series with only like 17 or 18 races. Um, I mean, that is absolutely phenomenal. And um, we've had guys like Dixon, you know, winning at Mid-Ohio from the back, you mm-hmm. know, three years ago. Um, so I think it's got a lot of, uh, a lot of good racing left. We saw the race at Coda, which was, uh, which was very exciting. The Long Beach race was, a, was a bit of a, bit of a yawn. Um, but, um, no, I think that uh, IndyCar racing is, you know, coming back to where it used to be in the old days. You know, because you've got a, you know, you, you have a stock chassis. When I say stock, I mean, you know, everybody's got the same chassis, just a, the different setup that the teams do. And, of course, you've got two power units, the Chevrolet and the Honda, which seem to be pretty evenly matched. The Honda at the moment are looking very strong this year. Um, so I think that the upcoming two races at Indy, the road race, uh, which is that next week, the road race. Yes. Um, then, of course, you've got qualifying and the race itself. As you say, for the 500, Fernando Alonso is going to have another go. Um, and I expect him to be competitive. Do I expect him to just win? No way. I mean, there's no way he's going to just take on people like, um, you know, like Scott Dixon and uh, Alex Rossi and people like that who now Alex Rossi's got a couple of years behind him. I mean, he's a fast kid. Um, and then, of course, you've always got the overpowering teams of Penske. You know, mm-hmm. Will Power, um, <clears throat> they're tough, tough guys. Um, so it's going to be no cakewalk for Alonso, but I, I do expect him to, you know, really show well there. And, of course, you know, the Indy 500 <clears throat> is a bit of a lottery. Um, it's a long race, 500 miles. You tend to think of it as, you know, just like any other IndyCar race, but 500 miles is a long way. Um, and strategy can change, strategy can make them up. And, of course, can make a huge difference to strategy. And, of course, you also need that bit of luck. You know, you just stop at the wrong time, and the caution flag comes out in the next lap, and 
all those sort of misfortunes can befall you at Indy. Um, and they're very hard to recover from. And the cars are so evenly matched that, you know, if you're a lap down and you're lapping at the same speed or even slightly quicker than the leader, you, you can never make it up unless you have a bit of luck. So um, it is a lottery, and I expect it to be a very, very competitive race again this year. And obviously, super fast. The cars are very fast this year. So, um, no, I'm looking forward to a very good IndyCar season. And I think they've made a very wise move in, in taking on NBC to do all the races. You know, the, the last mm-hmm. few seasons have been split between ABC, who, who've always done the 500. I think this year will be the first time that ABC hasn't done the 500 for 50 years. Um, and I think the NBC crew are going to be right up to it. And, of course, they've got Danica Patrick as one of their analysts, so that will add a bit of interest to a lot of, a lot of people who would be just casual TV viewers. You know, to have Danica on board, I think, will be a big help for the uh, for the broadcast team. And of course, I'll be led by uh, Ron Tarico, and and of course, Lee will be calling the race. So, I think it will be a very good show, and um, I know they're hoping for good ratings. But I think having the same broadcaster for every single race this year will go a long way to solidifying IndyCar's place in the motorsport structure of the USA. And I think that they can only grow more and more because it, it is very, it is a very competitive series. It certainly is. We're chatting with a uh, motorsports commentator and author, David Hobson, the great Midwest bank hotline. In fact, you'll be making your triumphant Midwest return to Indianapolis, uh, Indy 500 weekend at Indianapolis doing a book signing. So it'll be your chance, the listener, to come out and meet David Hobbs and get a signed copy of his book and some memorabilia, too, uh, at the Indie Memorabilia Show, which is going to be held at Indianapolis, right in the grounds of Indianapolis, which is free on Saturday. And it is one of probably one of the funnest days at the track, uh, besides, of course, the 500 itself. And we get about 100,000 people there. It, it's a lot of fun, a lot of people there, uh, autograph sessions and whatnot. And, of course, yourself, David, you'll be there, uh, which uh, we did that last year. It was a lot of fun, wasn't it? I should be there with you, Steve, and Sue, I've no doubt. And uh, I should be selling my book off your fine stand there. And um, last year, that memorabilia hall was very, very busy, very crowded, a lot of people. We sold quite a few books, if I remember rightly, so... Hope we can do the same again this year. Should be a lot of fun. And we were telling people, a lot of people hadn't seen you in a while, those uh, involved in the race and at the Speedway. We were telling people, you know, this was your first time you've been back at Indianapolis in the month of May <laughs> since 1976. Well, I'm flipping through, and, and you and I both were like, oh, yeah, 76. I was, and that was the last time you drove in the race. Now, you'd been there a few times when the U.S. Grand Prix was there and you were doing Speed Vision and whatnot there. Uh, yeah. what the TV tell, but it was your first time in May. So I'm flipping through one day on YouTube, and they had, I believe it was 1989 IndyCar uh, final day, bump day, or some some type of coverage with Bob Varsha. And there's Bob Varsha. And then from the side, who steps in but David Hobbs. And I had totally forgotten about, as, as apparently you have too, that you were there with Varsha, and I think it was 89 or 90 doing uh, qualifying. You know, I've forgotten all about. Yeah, that. You're absolutely right. I but think it might have been '89 because I think Daly. Right. Yeah, because then then Derek Daly started to do that. So, but I but I still didn't go to the race that year. I just did. Correct. I just right. Did the so, so I was right that I hadn't been back to the race. But uh, 
Yeah, you're right. I did do qualifying with uh, with Bob Barsha. I got, I get a feeling that Bob Jenkins was involved in that somehow too. Yeah, I, I believe it. It was a split where I think they did. You know, part of it might have been on ABC, and then part of it might have been on ESPN. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was premium. Oh yeah, there's Hobble. Okay. Well, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. Once again, uh, thank you uh, for coming on the show. We appreciate it. And uh, this is my last in-studio show. for. Well, actually, I'll be down in Indy next week, and then I'll, I'll be actually back here uh, qualifying weekend. We'll do a studio show, Jeff and I, and then I'll be uh, back down in Indianapolis again. So looking forward to that and uh, seeing you uh, 500, 500 weekend. So thank you, David. And uh, any predictions coming up on Barcelona next week? Well, boy, I mean, the way that the Mercedes team has got that act together, you, you can't help but think that uh, one of the two Mercedes is going to win. Valtteri Bottas is leading the championship by one point at the moment because he did the fastest lap in Baku, and that gave him an extra point. So, I, you know, but we keep hoping that Ferrari is going to show their hand. They're slipping dangerously behind in the points already. I mean, they're 74 points behind in the Constructors' Championship. And Vettel's 35 points behind in the drivers, uh, with a lot of drivers breathing right down his neck. I mean, right down his neck. Um, I'm still waiting to see Leclerc dust Vettel off. Yes. And, um, which is coming, <laughs> for sure. And, uh, no, I think that Barcelona's got quite a few surprises. And I think the Honda might be quick enough through turns um, two, three, um, four, and five, and then up to, and then eight, nine, 10 and 11 are very uh, Red Bull-type corners. And that's they get, if he can get right, if he can get out of the front, he's going to be very difficult to overtake like he was back when he beat Reitman. So, no, I think Barcelona could be a good race next week. All right, very good. David, thank you once again, and uh, we look forward to chatting with you again. David Hobbs joining us on right, the Great Midwest Steve. Bank Hotline. Thank you. Looking to buy, build, renovate, or refinance in 2019? Look no further and call Great Midwest Bank today. Great Midwest Bank, providing simply local common sense lending to your community since 1935. We'll be back after this on the Final Inspection Show. Inspection show brought to you by David Hobbs Honda, 6100 North Green Bay Avenue. Make sure to check out David Hobbs Honda or DavidHobbs.com for the latest and greatest in new and used cars. And also Great Lakes Dragway. Make sure to check out the legendary Great Lakes Dragway, the biggest little track in the world, 63 years going strong. And Great Lakes Dragway would like to thank you, the loyal fans. So make sure you check out greatlakesdragway.com. Also check them out on Facebook too. Uh, is a great. Make sure you like them, like their page on Facebook where uh, it you get the best for up to date. So if you're not sure about the weather, now that would be in the case this weekend because it looks like the weather should be good all weekend. But uh, if you're worried about maybe a thunderstorm or something, if they're going to be open, check out uh, greatlakesdragway.com on the Facebook page. Speaking of Facebook page, also make sure to like. 
the TFI, the final inspection show on, on Facebook. Check us out. Like our page, please. We post a lot of neat stuff, Jeff and I, and other people uh, pertaining to the world of auto racing, not only now, but also in the past. And then also the Green and Gold podcast. Green and gold then and now, baby. Jeff was unable. He was away on assignment. So is myself and Anthony Mandela, who did the draft podcast, and that's up. And uh, make sure you like the green and gold then and now podcast on Facebook. And uh, check out our latest podcast, about 50 minutes of talking draft, uh, some interesting stuff. Anthony had some really interesting thoughts on some of the picks and how they fit in and vice versa. So, uh you know, you know, I, Jeff and I have talked uh, off the air about you know Rashawn Gary and that maybe not too thrilled about that pick, but some of the other picks we certainly like, uh, especially Savage, uh, the safety, uh, which who who was also their their second first round pick. So should be an inter- it's been an interesting off season for the Packers, and now it'll start ramping up here sooner than later. It's only a few months away. Uh, August will be coming around and they'll be playing uh, preseason games, aren't they? Oh, rookie mini camp uh, kicked off yesterday. You got Ted Thompson going into the Packer Hall of Fame tonight. Uh, lots of celebrities going to be in Green Bay. You've got uh, Gary Ellerson, Leroy Butler, Mike Clemens is going to be up there uh, as well. So, uh, you know, it's busy up there for that. Uh, I've got my uh, Savage jersey on order, so in about two, three weeks, I'll number, have that. Number 26. Number 26. Uh, so, you know, it's uh, a lot to look forward to with the Packers. They might get a third preseason home game uh, because of the Raiders having problems finding right. a location. So, uh, you know, I can't wait for the Packers to uh, call me up and start begging me to pay for my seats for (laughs) another preseason game, and that's the reaction I'm going to give them as well. I will laugh in their face and say no, but you will give you can give them to me for free. But uh, but yeah, so it uh, lots of lots of stuff going on up there. Should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it, and lots of stuff going around in the world of auto racing. Of course, NASCAR is in Dover this weekend. One of the quickest tracks out there. They're hitting 170 plus, and uh, that's a that's a quick track all the way around, isn't it? It is. It is. A couple trivia questions here for you, Steve. How did Dover get the nickname the Monster Mile? Well, it's monstrous. I mean, I think it opened in 1969, and uh, NASCAR raced there, and also USAC also raced there. United States Auto Club they raced stock cars there, which makes sense, and they also raced Indy cars there in 1969. And it just ate up the Indy cars uh, at that time. Uh, the speeds were very fast, but uh, the cars weren't really made for the, the 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 forces that they were exerting on themselves. A lot of broken suspensions. I know uh, Wally Dallenbach, Lloyd Ruby, and Mario Andretti all hit the wall. And as was the case in those days, uh, a lot of times those cars would catch on fire. And I think Lloyd Ruby got burned a bit, and as did Mario Andretti. But uh, those were uh, it was a rough track. They only raced at one year Indy cars in 1969, and then they did return though uh, when the IRL uh, came about and with their newer with that new car, that spec car that they came up in 1997. I believe they raced it for like three years, and it didn't really catch on, and it was just they shredded a lot of cars there too I in bet. the IRL days. And they have in the past with NASCAR too. I mean, that that. It, it, you know, you look at uh, some of the old footage when a car would ha- wreck. I, the one I'm thinking of, I think it's 94. 
that was Kyle Petty's last win, I think. And that was kind of a war of attrition. He was kind of like the last guy standing because they had a wreck in which they wiped out like half the field. And the closing speeds were so fast. And they had spotters back then. But now when you saw like Sheldon Creed, when you saw him start to spin, you're thinking, oh, he's going to wipe up half the field. And he didn't. He only, you know, one car, he, he got uh, Gilliland, Todd Gilliland, or David Gilliland, no, Todd, Todd Gilliland, and, uh, you know, pretty much center punched him. And then another driver just kind of nipped him on the one side. But other than that, everybody got around him. And I think that's one thing that really is, is really improved in the world of NASCAR is when these cars spin in front of the field back in the old days, you just get one hellacious pileup. And you don't really see that anymore, do you? No, you don't as much, but it is known to happen at Dover because of the speeds, because of the banking. Uh, you know, stuff happens real quick out there, and it is uh, – it is definitely difficult to get your car out of the way when stuff is going on in a blink of an eye. And, you know, yes, the spotters are supposed to be focused on your car, letting you know who's on the inside, outside, who's coming, who's going, what line these guys are running. But, uh, you know, the spotters have a lot going on, too. And if they're sitting there trying to work out a deal, you know, oh, let's work together here. Let's try to, you know, push past, uh, you know, Truex or, you sure. know, something like that. Uh and something happens right in front of you, you you could be in, uh, you could get caught up in a melee. So you kind of said it. Uh, it was it's called the Monster Mile, um, you know, basically because of how hard the track is. The track CEO, Dennis McGlynn, in the mid-70s, uh, came up with the term because of how hard it was on the drivers and the equipment. So uh, you basically got that right. Uh, how much are tickets... Uh, to sit in the bridge over turn three that sits about 26 feet over the track? I will guess $160. That is a trick question. You cannot buy those tickets. <laughs> you have to win them in a contest from the race sponsor. Uh, it seats 56 people in the, uh, the walkway over the track. It looks phenomenal. Uh, you know, it's right by the uh, the entrance at turn three, you know, 29 feet above the racing surface. And uh, it looks like a real cool seat to uh, to be in. And, uh, you know, supposed to be one of the best views in all of racing. So that's uh, that's a neat feature that the Monster Mile has that, no, you know, no other track really has. It certainly is. And then, for, of course, we have the Xfinity race going on now, and we got the Cup race uh, tomorrow in the Kentucky Derby uh, later today. And for our picks, you can make sure you check out the final inspection page on Facebook where we'll post our picks, not only for NASCAR uh, tomorrow, but also the Kentucky Derby picks. And Mid-Ohio. So Mid -Ohio uh, Eddie took Helio for, uh, for Mid-Ohio. Who is your pick, Steve? I'll go with the same. I'm going to go chalk. So you guys sat there. I and can't pick the Mazda. You got the same guys in yeah. Indy, and you got the same guys in NASCAR. I'll give you a pick here. I'll, I've pull, got I'll be mine. a surprise. Well, who's your pick? Ryan Hunter Ray. Oh, okay. That's right. He is running that race. Yes, he is. So uh, I think uh, Mr. Three Names is going to get it done and uh, uh, take up a lot of space on that trophy. All right. I'll take. Uh, all right. I'll, uh, all right. I'll change it. I'll take Oliver Jarvis of the Mazda team. Okay. 
Oh, I know you're not winning that one, so thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, don't go to the window on Steve's pick. Uh, Kentucky Derby, looking forward to that. I hope it's a safe race. Don't want to see that big, uh, the, what is that, the yellow truck come out. So Yeah, you definitely don't. Uh, again, to recap, uh, you have Improbable as uh, as your favorite. You have War of Will as your long shot. No, no, wrong. I do not. Yes, you did. No, that was Dennis's pick. No, I have Improbable. No, that's not my. Okay, right, I've got double check here. Code of Honor as my favorite, and Win 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 as my long shot for Boat uh... Express was my long shot. Okay, all right, I will B-O-G switch that. and then Express. Okay. He drew into the race because of Omaha Beach's scratch. I mean, that's just what better way, huh? On the outside looking in, Omaha Beach, who was everybody's pick to win, gets scratched. That would be an interesting story. Yeah, yeah. If he finds, uh, if he uh, crosses first, man, not only is everybody who bet on him going to make a ton of money, oh, and that he, would and, be one hell of just a so story. You know, he's never won a race either. So well, first time for everything, man. Yeah. First time for I tell everything. you what, why don't we, let's chat with uh, Chase Elliott. Okay. Yeah, let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll hear from Chase. Chase Elliott coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. The fan, Jeff Orlowski, the Polish pipe bomb here. Heading out to the Great Midwest Bank Hotline to welcome in the driver of the number nine Chevy Camaro for Hendrick Motorsports, Chase Elliott, NASCAR superstar. Chase, how you doing today? Uh, doing great. How about you? Oh, fantastic. Thank you for a few minutes of your time. Now, I know that... Uh, a while back, you did run a late model race here at the Milwaukee Mile. You have any uh, memories of your time here in Milwaukee or that race? I do. Yeah, I remember that race uh, really well. Uh, I had an awesome car that night, and uh, I think what Johnny Sauter's brother won it. Travis, is that right? Um, if, I, if I remember right, but um, yeah, had a had a good car. Really enjoyed racing there. I thought that racetrack suited. Uh, those late model cars really well, and um, that was the only time I'd ever run up there, but I had a lot of fun. Good. Now, with uh, Talladega coming up this weekend, um, you know, obviously it's such a wild card. Anything can happen. When you go into Talladega, do you go in more nervous because you don't know what's going to happen, or do you go in more relaxed because it's such a crapshoot and most of the stuff that will happen is all outside of your control? Yeah, I mean, I... I guess somewhere kind of in between. Uh, it's uh, there's just a lot of things that are outside your control, so it's you know doesn't do you a lot of good to get uh, too worked up about a lot of it because you can't do anything about the majority of it. But I think um, you know in in general, it's not a not a place that you um, are are super comfortable at just because of of how quick something can go wrong. But yes, I think in some ways. It's not uh, – there's certainly a level of of being comfortable that I think is good, but you get in certain situations in the race, and it's it's hard to be because there's just so much that can happen and hard to to stop it. 
Well, you posted a great video on your Instagram about uh, Talladega and your dad and, and you in it and everything like that. That was phenomenal. It just seems right that you're in the nine car. Uh, does it feel that way to you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's been my number ever since I started racing, you know, so it's um, nice to have had the opportunity to get that back and kind of get back home in my opinion it definitely feels right and i think it feels right to everybody watching too it just um certainly fits now when you're talking with uh rick hendrick what do you call him do you call him mr hendrick mr h rick ricky you know what's what's your relationship like <laughs> i call it mr hendrick um yeah we, we have a good relationship he's done uh way more than i could ever ask for me and in my racing career and really has, has opened the door to, to get me to where I'm at today. And I'm just trying to, you know, do my part for him and, and get, uh, get our team rolling as best we can and, and, and make him proud. I mean, I think it's, uh, like I said, I wouldn't certainly wouldn't be here without him. And he's been, been a great friend and looked up to him a lot and a great person to lean on too. So I really couldn't ask for much more really any more from, from him and, and all aspects. Well, with parking your car in victory lane three times last season, do you feel more pressure uh, this year than you have in years past? Um, I don't, know. Um, I, you know, look forward to the challenge, and I'm glad to glad to be here. And, and, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you just take it as it comes. But, no, I don't think last year's success really weighs on what we have going on right now all right we're talking with chase elliott nascar superstar here on the great midwest bank hotline on the final inspection show all right you could take a deep breath and stop trying to get you in trouble here uh what's in your garage like what's the coolest car you have for personal use uh well actually i've just been driving a tahoe um from the past year or two now but um yeah i enjoy it uh, I am a Chevy guy, so I enjoy enjoyed that Tahoe probably the most from from their side of things. Okay, and what kind of music are you listening to, Chase? I would say I am a a country fan. What about you? What do you listen to? Uh, for me, it's old school heavy metal, Judas Priest, and uh, you know Motorhead and Metallica and those kind of guys. Yeah. But uh, all right, so country, huh? So who's who's your favorite? Like top three country artists right now? I'm a big Eric Church fan. I'd say he's number one. Um, become a big fan of Tyler Childers and uh, went to a Kitmore concert last night. So we'll, we'll put him up there too. Nice. Yeah. I, uh, I've seen Eric Church probably five or six times. He's always puts on a phenomenal live show. He does that. That's for sure. All right. Well, Chase, I want to thank you so much for taking a couple minutes for us here on the Final Inspection Show. Wish you all the best of luck uh, this weekend in Talladega and uh, the rest of the season. Hopefully you're raising that championship trophy at the end. Yeah, we hope so. We'll find out. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, thank you. There was Chase Elliott. He joined us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. We'll be right back. We've got more of the Final Inspection Show coming up next. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan.
Tim Ketafama, WRSU Sports. Chase, two questions for you. First off, what's your reaction feeling as a driver to single car qualifying? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's fine. Probably, a, I would say, a good thing overall. Uh, it just simplifies a lot of stuff, you know, which I think is good. And it's the way I uh, learned to qualify and kind of got started. And I'm sure much like everybody else did, you know, the group qualifying thing is, is fine. And I think it'll be fine at road courses. Probably makes more sense at those places anyway, um, but I, I think it's good. And you know, you just don't think about it. When it's your turn, you go. And if you don't like it, get over it. And then the second question is: Kyle was just in here talking about the fast speeds. He had mentioned that, in his opinion, the speeds are approaching like a danger a danger zone as being too fast. Do you agree with that, or do you feel that you guys are still at a level that's safe as a driver? Uh, I mean get paid to go fast so let's go fast I guess I mean I, I don't uh, I mean it, it's not fun hitting something real hard anytime you do and certainly uh, isn't going to feel good when you when you do at these speeds so I mean I, I, I don't know which Kyle was in here talking Kyle Bush Kyle Bush yeah I mean it definitely is physical for sure and, and I think this is going to be a, a very very physical race on Sunday uh, especially if the sun comes out and it's hot, but you know it's um it's fast. Is it too fast? I mean, I don't. I mean, we're getting like I said, this is our job, so we, we sign up for it, and it uh, yeah, I think it is what it is. Thank you. All right, additional questions for Chase, Tyler. Tyler Burnett, Motor Racing Network. Chase, looking ahead to next week, you obviously won at Kansas last year. Um, what are some of the challenges of racing there, and why do you feel like that track suits your driving style? Uh, yeah, you know, Kansas is, uh, is, has become a cool place. You know, I think, I think as it has aged, the outside lane has really prevailed there, and I think that will continue to be that way. So I think it's going to be a, a, a top lane dominant racetrack as it continues to wear and age and, and as time goes on even more than it already is. Um, so that, that makes it difficult. It's hard to, it's hard to make a lot happen in a hurry when, when everybody's riding, you know, the wall and, and up in those, in those top grooves. So that's the challenge of it is, is trying to pass and move forward. It's, uh, it's a difficult thing to do when, when everybody's ripping the top. All right. Additional questions. Lee. Lee Spencer Racing Boys. Does the change in the speed change how you attack the track or, how you guys look at the track from a strategic standpoint? I don't. I mean, I don't really think it changes the strategy of it or anything. But it's definitely fast for sure. And it's uh, you know, you're always going to kind of drive to that limit, you know, whatever it is, till you're, you know, as uncomfortable as you can be, basically. So um, I don't think it changes the strategy, but it's definitely quick for sure. And what was your what was the best outcome, or what was the funnest thing that happened after your win last week? The what now? I'm sorry. The f what's the funnest thing that happened following uh, your win last week? Something, you know, maybe out of the ordinary that, that occurred? Yeah, just having having my mom and my grandma at the racetrack on Sunday was, was uh, to me, the coolest part. Mom missed all the wins last year, and, and my grandmother doesn't hardly get to any races. She's, uh, you know, she's in her 80s and, and, and likes to watch on TV, so just rare for her to be there. And uh, that, that was a very special deal. And, uh, you know, they're hard enough to win, much less when you have important people like that in your lives, you know, to be there and enjoy it with you. All right. Go ahead. Zach Sterniola with the Pocono Record. Uh, 
Chevrolet looked super fast throughout this first practice. Does that give you any confidence heading into the Sunday's race? I mean, yeah, you'd rather be fast and slow, I guess. So it doesn't definitely never hurts anything. Um, I do. I mean, I think it's still too early to tell. You know, qualifying practice is always a little different than race practice, and then certainly the race on Sunday. So, um, you know, like I say all the time, you're still gonna have to beat the same crowd on Sunday, no matter what. So, uh, the good the good drivers and teams are, are still gonna be the guys to beat, no matter what they're driving. But I do think it was encouraging to see the Chevys, uh, you know, have some good pace, and like I said, rather be there than the opposition. All right, we'll go back to Tyler, please. Yeah, Chase. Um, Kyle Busch was in here talking about how on Memorial Day weekend um, NASCAR honors all the military and has some, a member on their car. Why is it important, do you feel, to, to honor the military, especially when it comes to NASCAR? I mean, it seems like they do it a lot. Well, I, you know, I don't know that us doing that is really even saying thanks enough. Uh, you know, and, and I think a lot of times... You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 